0: This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers.
1: We have had discussions very recently, and we'll continue to have those discussions. We would like to sign both players. I think if you look at them individually, um, they've both been here 16 years. I mean, Geno's obviously been a great player, um, one of the greatest, certainly one of the best players in the history of the game, and we'd like to keep him as a Pittsburgh Penguin for, for the rest of his career. If in a perfect world, Gino retires a, a Penguin, and I think Tanger's the same. He's been here the same amount of time. Ron Hextall sure sounds intent on keeping Crystal
2: Tang and Evgeny Malkin. How much does he mean it? How possible is that goal if he means it? We will investigate those topics over the next 40 minutes or so right here on the Pittsburgh City Cast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Some MLB-boosted bets for you. Aaron Judge to record over a hit and a half against the Orioles. That was at plus 200, now at plus 220. Walker Bueller to record over 7.5 strikeouts versus the Nationals, now at plus 275, was at 250. I think I'm going to lean under on that one. NHL-boosted bets. Connor McDavid to score a goal in the first against the Flames. Was at plus 500, now at plus 580. When it comes to betting on McDavid these days, I'm all in for anything, even if you just have 20 minutes to make it happen. Tennis boosted bets, French Open, Rafael Nadal to win in under 25 and a half games versus Corentin Moutet. That was uh, plus 112, now plus 120. Frankly, uh, the over-under on me getting that last name right and not butchering it was uh, not even on the board, and I think I just did anyway to prove the point. Golf boosted bets. The Charles Schwab Challenge, Justin Thomas to finish in the top five, now at plus 275 after being at plus 250. If you log on to betrivers.com, you can receive a 20% live profit boost on any French Open wager. You can also bet three $10 NHL same-game parlays to receive a free $10 bet. And every Tuesday that you log in to receive a 20% profit boost, you get that on all MLB wagers. So those are your Tuesday sportsbook promotions at betrivers.com or via downloading the app. Glad that you're with us here on the Pittsburgh CityCast today as I am heading out to see the Pirates tonight for the first time. As a fan this year, maybe first time since the pandemic, actually, now that I say that out loud, it's been a while. And like most Pittsburghers these days, it probably will be a while again. Last night, I said take the Pirates, which was right, but I said on the run line, which was wrong, and the over, which was also wrong. They beat Colorado 2-1 to one in a battle of teams that can't prevent runs. They combined to allow three, go figure. The Pirates can't hit either and the Rockies are just so bad away from Coors Field that probably can't count on runs even though the two teams are so bad at preventing them I'll go with the Buckos here again tonight at minus 122 the over under is at eight Uh, since I'm going I guess I'll root for runs and go over but I'm certainly not putting much on it how about that Jordan Lyles Garrett Cole rematch yesterday that screamed under after the last time they faced one another last week, right? The battle of the ex Buckos, round two. Cole and the New York Yankees beat Lyles and the Orioles 3-2. Both pitchers completed seven innings. Both only allowed two earned runs. Neither pitcher walked a batter. Cole had five strikeouts. Lyles had eight. Cole picked up the win to improve to 4-0 with an ERA of 289. So with the teams matching up again, last night Cole and Lyles found themselves opposing one another once more. This game wasn't as friendly to the pitchers. Orioles win 6-4. to four. Cole stayed in for eight innings despite allowing five earned runs. He totaled 11 strikeouts without a walk, but left with the loss. It was his first defeat, and his earned run average jumped to 331. Lyles hit the showers after six and two-thirds, giving up three earned runs, striking out eight and walking two. He improved to three and four with the win. Boy, the Yankees have been making money for the books lately. Losing to the Orioles and the White Sox twice in that doubleheader. I bet a lot of people have been out on those tickets the past few days. If you got to figure that New York is going to bounce back eventually, and I do, they are minus 114 on the one-and-a-half run line. I love that bet tonight. Hockey, I won my Lightning-Panthers series bet. I said the Lightning would win the series at plus 140. Uh, good for me there. Not so good for me. My specific game bet, though, huh? I had the Lightning winning in seven Oh, well, win some, lose some. Sometimes on the same series, it's usually pretty safe to go under in a clinching game for Andre Vasilevsky. Remember that moving forward. What is it now, six shutouts in his last seven elimination games? That's ridiculous. So think under when a series is on the line and the Lightning are involved. I never knew it would be possible to be so right and so wrong At the same time in a series, I felt very confident that the Lightning would win that series. I never felt confident that they'd do it in blowout fashion, but they did in a sweep. Meanwhile, last night for me was costly in St. Louis. First of all, before we get to the uh, specifics of that, how about ex-Penguin David Perron looking like Phil Kessel? Kessel came here and became everything that Perron was supposed to be and wasn't. Now, Perron goes back to St. Louis and has become everything that Kessel was here. Go figure. Two more goals, but Nazem Kadri had three in one of the all time great stick it up the backside of the opposing fan moments since like Sid scored two in Philadelphia after Darian Hatcher knocked out his teeth. Kadri gets the hat trick. Blues fans the whole day, the night before, trying to run him off the ice. Booing him on social media, going after him. This after he tried to run Binnington off the ice. Kadri's attempt worked because Binnington's out for the rest of the series. The Blues fans, they failed miserably. It backfired there. Kadri a hat trick, and uh, I've got the specific bet here, the series-specific bet, saying that the Avs win in six. They might do it still, but you know I'm worried they're going to do it in five now. I don't know if the Blues are going to be able to come back from this. Uh, once things started to go bad for Husso and Nat, they really went bad. The Blues have kind of let me down in this series. I sure hope they have one more left in them, but they definitely had a meltdown that was akin to what the Pens did when they allowed those three goals in a spurt to the Rangers. Tonight, I'll go under on the Canes and the Rangers. I'll keep riding that one until it bucks me. It's minus 130 at under five and a half. Don't stop. Just keep feeding the machine there. It's an even money split practically to win. Minus 107 in favor of the Canes. Minus 109 in favor of the Rangers. Calgary and Edmonton. That appears to have settled in after a wacky start. At six and a half, the over-under is at minus 104 to the over and minus 114 to the under. If you think that the Oilers can win tonight with an empty netter, it pays out a plus 195. I've been tempted by very little in that series because it's been so tough to call. I might be tempted on that one. Now, as far as the Penguins go, Ron Hextall spoke yesterday. And based on what the Penguins general manager said, not only does he want to keep the whole band together, he wants to re-release a greatest hits album. As I listened to Hextall's comments from his press conference, my mind started to picture Sidney Crosby, Chris Letang, Getty Malkin, and Brian Rust in Kiss face paint because that's the only group I can think of that's had as many goodbye tours as this foursome in Pittsburgh has had. In each of the last four years, the Penguins have come up short in the first round of the playoffs, and every year management sees reason to bring everybody back to give it one more go at trying to bring a sixth Stanley Cup to Pittsburgh. Part of that thinking has always been that Rust, Malkin, and Latang are all under contract, so why not at least see those deals through until they expire? That's understandable. Now, here we are at the end of those agreements, yet so far in the offseason, Hextall is giving the impression that he thinks the fifth time must be the charm. As of Saturday, the dust still hadn't even settled on the Penns' first-round playoff exit to the Rangers, but that's when Hextall decided to give Rust six years, and $30.75 million. By Monday, Hextall was talking about keeping Latang and Malkin in
1: Pittsburgh as well. These two are they're generational players. They don't come along very often, and uh, we'd like to keep them here through the end of, your, end of their careers. So we'll continue to work with both guys and hopefully um, come to agreements with them at some point here.
2: Last year, Malkin was at a $9.5 million salary cap hit, Latang at seven two five. Both will need to take a hometown discount of some degree to stay. Malkin will have to be well down from last year's number. Letang may well get a healthier contract offer for extended years from some other team. If he wants to stay, he can't expect the Penguins to match it. But even if both of those deals can be struck, is it worth it? As great as those two players are, they aren't what they were 16 years ago when this run with Crosby started. Nor are they even close to what they were when the teams had their resurgence in 2016 and 17 and route to Cups number 4 and 5 for the franchise. Malkin is a shadow of what he once was 5-on-5. Five five, and for all the magnificent skating and offensive acumen and ice coverage and minutes eating from Letang, he was on the ice for 17 of the 28 goals scored by the Rangers during the playoff series loss. And that's not a theme that was restricted to this past spring when it comes to recent playoff exits, yet Hextall seems to have placed more value in how the Penguins got into the playoffs and how they began that series up three to one, as opposed to how the series ended, mainly because of the injury-related absences within the series, endured by Crosby and Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith and Brian Dumoulin and Ricard Raquel.
1: I guess if you go back to playoffs, we felt like we were certainly in that series. We, uh, there were some circumstances there that dictated that we didn't come out on the, the winning end of it, unfortunately, but we felt like we were in it, and we, we did feel like we had a good enough team where we could have gone on a run here.
2: The previous three first-round playoff exits against the Canadians and Islanders twice Always seem to end with the Penguins players, coaches, and team officials advancing similar, yeah, but arguments about circumstances surrounding why they lost as well. But they lost five series in a row. That's after head coach Mike Sullivan had won his first nine in Pittsburgh. Something with the Penguins is just broken come playoff time. And the organization can't always fall back on blaming injuries, the officials, bad goaltending. Good goaltending in the other net, a pandemic bubble, bad luck, or anything else that you might be able to highlight. If ever there was a year to change the makeup of this team and reconfigure it around Crosby for the last three years of his contract, this is it. They've got expiring deals, new ownership, some new faces in management. Instead of trying to figure out how much more blood can be squeezed out of the stone with the current roster, why not play with the $32.7 $32.7 million in cap space in UFA and RFA contracts that could have come off the books after the season ended. How would that play in the trade and free agent markets? What a nice change that would have been for the Penguins, a luxury that they haven't had in years. Even after keeping Rust, Cap-friendly projects that the Penguins' total should be at roughly $23.9 million in space. And Rust's signing makes sense. He's only 30 he can play on any of the top three lines. Plus, if you lose a top two-line winger like him, you'll probably have to pay at least the equivalent of his $5.1 million salary to adequately, adequately replace him anyway. But keeping Malkin and Letang would eat up more than half of that space. And then Hextall would likely have to patch those holes in the roster that exist with this year's versions of Brandon Tanev and Danton Heinen and Brock McGinn and Mark Jankowski. We got to keep in mind that Hextall is just talking right now, at least when it comes to Latang and Malkin. He may just be saying things that he feels are expeditious. His actions were swift, though, when it came to Rust, and he sure seems sincere in his desire to retain Malkin and Latang. Yet, yeah, it feels like the band is not only being kept together but it sure appears like they're lining up a really familiar set list at the concert, doesn't it? Play Freebird! When we come back, Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network, we'll talk to him about all this surrounding the Penguins, and we'll get into some NHL odds and plays as well that's coming up when we come back in 30 seconds here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must-be-21 gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back in the Pittsburgh CityCast, Tim Benz with you. And uh, just to follow up on a hockey thought, the Lightning are plus 290 to win the cup right now. Kind of interested to see what the odds look like after they shake out in the conference finals. I'm wondering if this is as good of a price as you're going to get on them. Maybe you get in on it now because they are very much looking like the lightning of old. And by the way, they're doing this without Braden Point, too, if you can believe that. But Vasilevsky seems to be in top playoff form once again. Lightning and Avs, boy, would that make for a great Stanley Cup final. We will talk about that with Brian Metzer, of the Pittsburgh Penguins radio network. He joins me once a week to talk hockey. Not only will we talk about the playoffs and some odds on the games tonight and moving forward, but also we get into what Ron Hextall said, as we talked about earlier. We'll get a second set of eyes on those quotes from Hexy right now with Mets here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Brian Rust, uh, I wouldn't have bet on him signing a deal under $6 million, nor would I bet on him avoiding the free agency pool altogether, locking himself up with the Penguins uh, before free agency even hits.
0: That was kind of a surprise over the weekend, was it not, Tim? I mean, I was sitting here. Um, I know what Frank Saravelli, of course, because the, nat- the national guys always start breaking this stuff. Because it's I think the people- agents, yeah, and I feel like people, you know, are feeding them this information. But anyway, the the tweet comes out. The next thing you know, the Penguins release the news and. For me, I I was kind of thrilled to see it come in at, what, 5.12? As you said, everybody would have anticipated Rusty would have had six or more just based on his goal-scoring ability. Um, There there are guys in the league that are capable of 25 to 30 goals or not capable of it, making a heck of a lot more money than that, the way that they hand out contracts nowadays. So I think once he got to that point and they gave him the six years, which was obviously key. I mean, we heard that from Ron Hextall. I think Brian Rust let that be known as well. That the term really locked it in for him, and it kind of solidifies him as yet another guy that, um, assuming he finishes that contract in Pittsburgh, will will finish his career here, which is a remarkable achievement for a guy that came in as a nondescript college hockey player and really kind of evolved into what he is, which is a homegrown linemate for Sidney Crosby. And for me, that's as much about keeping Sid happy as anything else, because if you do start losing guys, maybe that's a nice thing for the captain to maintain his linemates.
2: It was interesting to me to hear rust when he was speaking with Mark Madden yesterday, Mark asked him, did you leave some money on the table? Maybe. And he said, no, because we were looking for an overall dollar amount. So if that overall dollar amount is $30 million and he needed to spread it out over six years, like you phrased it in terms of term, he seems to be phrasing it in terms of overall dollars, but. I'm sure he could have gotten 30 or, or at least close to it if he had decided to go out there. I, I'm wondering what that speaks to when it comes to cap hits for Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin, if that's sort of portending something to come for them that you know they might need a long-term contract themselves to get the kind of money they're looking for to spread out the cap hit and i wonder how many teams are going to be willing to do that for players who are 5 and 6 years older than rust is
0: yeah um well to your point about rust i think that's a big part of it was getting and I, hextall alluded to this as well getting the cap hit manageable for the team yeah. is why they kind of went six years he's making so, less
2: than jason zucker
0: yeah i mean which is insane to think about and, and really when you look at the that those top two wingers on the top line right now they're very team friendly deals. And I mean, Jake Gensel's making what, six million dollars essentially. So for those two guys to be the leading goal scorers on this team over the last handful of seasons, because going back three years, they are. They're the two leading goal scorers on this team. Rust is number two just to Jake over that span. So um, I think that was key to get the cap hit manageable and that worked by doing six years. With Gino and Chris Letang, you simply can't do that, though, because of that retirement rule and all that kind of thing. So that's what teams used to do. Uh, They used to just kind of say, hey, here's your 15 year contract. What was 12? They would always go 12 years and then just kind of back, you know, front load it, back load it with just small dollar amounts in terms of true cash. And that got the cap hit to something more manageable for the team. Well, they kind of closed that loophole for the older players saying that, if a guy retires, you're going to have that cap penalty and all these other kinds of things. That's like a recapture thing. And I don't know all the ins and outs. It's like the NFL where you find this recaptured money and all this. But if a guy retires, you're kind of hold, stuck holding the bag. And I'm not saying that Latang or Gino could or would do that, but there's always a chance. I mean, specifically with the Gino, if he ends up having some sort of injury or something like that, or just finally does decide that, Hey, I'm done here. I'm ready to go home and play in Russia and leaves after three years of a six-year deal. Well, you're, you're kind of screwed. Uh, Detroit had that happen with Pavel Datsuk. That's why they, these guys just don't retire then they just kind of don't play and they find a way to put them on long-term IR and they do all this stuff, like trade the contract to the Arizona coyotes to, <laughs> to free yeah. up cap space. So uh, I don't know that the penguins want to do that with those guys, but I will say Based on, first of all, getting Russ signed to a very team friendly contract, then the comments that Hextall made. It certainly sounds like somebody got in his ear and changed his thinking because mid-season, I was very much thinking that, well, he's going to turn the page. He wants to restock the cupboards. He's ready to maybe move into not a full rebuild, but at least a retool. And based on his comments this week, it sounds like the Fenway people were like, no, we like this team, you have to find some way to keep it together and, and then make all the pieces fit some way. So uh, I don't know if that was changing a computer chip in the, in the mind of Ron Hextall, because he even seemed more upbeat about talking in that, in those terms. And a couple weeks back, I don't know that he seemed as upbeat about talking in those terms.
2: The difference between action and words is something we always have to keep in mind whenever we interview these team executives, especially this time of year. But he took swift action with Rust, and he took emphatic choice of words when he was speaking with the media yesterday uh, to make it sound like it is a goal, it is a hope, it is a priority to get Letang Mm -hmm. and Walken back. So, yeah, I do think they are leaning towards... Yet another one last kick at the can. Uh, You know, it's the dirty honey season. It's another last time, (laughs) Mets, uh, for these guys, it appears. I I just, I feel now that Hexdall has fallen into the mode that previous Penguin ownership management with Morehouse and Ray Shiro and Dan Bilesma and eventually uh, Mike Sullivan and Jim Rutherford. They've fallen into this, well, these guys have championships. This core has championships. So if they're coming up short, it's probably because something went wrong out of our control. You know, injuries, officiating, hot goalie, bad own goalie, like (laughs) uh, explaining away every single playoff defeat for each of the last five series and each of the last four years when they've gone out in the first round. I got the impression that Hextall has very quickly fallen into that trap, and maybe two Fenway Sports Group has.
0: Yeah, I think uh, he's become the answer man to a certain extent. I say that kind of tongue in cheek because in my house, every time there is a salvo cast at me in some way, and uh, hey, we, you, you know, we have to do this or we have to do that, or, or there's a, a something needs done around here, and I'll I'll come back. Well, no, no, that's not what has to happen. This this is why that happened, or whatever. That's what Hextall is doing right now, and we all talked. And I get called the answer, man. That's why I said that. Okay. Right. <laughs> but whenever you, you look at him, Tim, we, we all said this over the last few weeks. And I think you and I may have said it right here, that um, if they do lose in the first round, which they did, they had 100 built-in excuses that could kind of change the thinking. Well, guess what? They're catching in all those cards now. Yeah. Because you heard him talk, well, you know, an elbow to the head, uh, goaltending issue. Um, other injuries. I mean, in truth be told this year, more than any, and I think I'm, we've talked about this. It's more valid this year than in any of the past first round exits, because they did have significant injuries. The Sid thing really derailed them. Brian Dumlin played one game. Raquel was out for the entire series, but for one game, you played with your third string goaltender who really looked like a third string goaltender, but it was lucky because your team was able to outscore them for most of the series. So that helped. But for me, It is. It does seem as if they've gotten sucked into this thinking that, yeah, we have another kick at the can, and maybe it really comes down to getting these guys locked up to a three-year deal to finish out Sid's contract and then figure out everything else after that, which I don't know that everybody involved in that equation, specifically speaking about number 71, is going to still be even at the level he is right now, three years from now, because he can't, you know, he's had issues with his lower body, taking Gino's lower body away in any extent changes his entire game because speed and power and uh, getting past defenders was always such a key to his game. Now, granted the, the breakaway goal he scored in the playoffs was tremendous and it was vintage Gino. Can he do that enough to make it worthwhile to sign him to another long, not even long-term, but, three to five year deal? I don't know. I mean, that's the one I worry about the most. And even getting both of those guys locked up right now, you have close to 30 million in cap space, 25 or so minus Russ. Now, if that's the case, are you willing to to vote, you know, 15 to 18 million of that? Well, to that's get those guys. It. signed. Yeah. yeah I mean, so, so
2: that's what I wrote today in the Trib is that exact notion, which is this is the first time in forever that they've had an abundance of cap space to play with and the ability to be players in the free agent market and the the ability to explore trades to bring on salary and maybe retool a team that speaks to deficiencies that the previous ones have had around Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel still, Um, you know, just make the team look different, but still be good. Like there's, you don't have to burn it down when you have 30 something million dollars in cap space. Well, I understand taking away the first five for Rust. That signing made sense to me because if you lose Brian Rust, you're just going to have to find another top six winger and probably yep. pay more than $5 million for it anyway. So that signing made sense to me. But if you turn right around and give $5 million to $6 million to Geno, because it would have to be more team-friendly than what he's got now. It might have to be in half or close to what he's making now. And you, I mean, Latang is probably not going to come back for much less, if less at all than what he's making now, because I think he can find more than that yep. on the open market.
0: No, no doubt.
2: Now you're talking about half of the remaining cap space being gone. And, and now you're just talking about finding the latest iterations of Danton and Brock McGinn, <laughs> Mark Jankowski, and Brandon Tanev. Like that's what you're left filling out the roster with again. So It's not like you can, even though you still have cap space beyond those two, really change the team all that much or the construct of the team if those two are still there because they're going to eat up such a significant portion of the cap even if they take hometown discounts.
0: No, you're exactly right, and um, there are attractive free agents on the market this year too that if you were going to devote bigger money to somebody in terms of a center, well – and I, this is pipe dream stuff because it just isn't the penguins way. And granted it's because they haven't had the money, but you have Johnny Gaudreau becoming available this summer. He's currently making 6.7 million. And of course, everybody's, uh, soup du jour here, uh, is Nazem Kadri, just the way he's played for Colorado. He's only playing on a $4.5 million contract and led them in scoring for most of this season. So both of those players will get raises and will be in hot, hot demand. But, too, right? Yeah, and Vince Trocek, of course. How can I leave out the Pittsburgh kid? Because that's everybody. That's the other soup de jour that mm-hmm. everyone's all excited about. Who has also had significant injury problems during his career. We should throw out there um, that doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. But I think when you throw those three centers into the mix, I think that the Penguins would have money to dangle to maybe offset somebody to put behind Sidney Crosby, slot Jeff Carter in to still have Teddy Bluger. Now that doesn't mean I went of getting Malkin to go, but if he is asking for too much, I mean, you, you simply can't make it work. I mean, neither of these guys want to take much less than they are currently making. I mean, Gino's not going to get nine and a half million, but I don't think he's going to play for five either. He's probably looking for something between five and nine and a half would be my guess with also some term attached to it. And, and to your point about Latang, there, Tim, I mean, really, he's probably going to get the big offer from Montreal. If he hits free agency, I don't know that he'll, um, be shy about taking that either, because as we've talked about in the past, think about he and his wife—they are more Hollywood and more model-esque than any model or actor or actress. <laughs> so they—they'll be on every billboard in Montreal, hawking every product, as well as the money he's making. Nil.
2: It's all about nil. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's how they'll lure him away. There, they, there was no tampering. Uh, there, you know, but the billboard will be up before the contract is signed. Um, so I, that comes to mind, and I think that Latang. Coming off a career season, how do you ask him to take less than the money he made last year? I mean, that's what's tough. I know that they will try to do that. And I'm, I think that there is some allure for that trio to finish their careers together. I mean, you can hear the affection when they speak about one another. It was kind of a neat thing to, first of all, play 16 seasons together, but then to hear them all talk about it. And we, we've heard it before, but it was really on display when they all, you could hear it in their voices. I think a week ago, they thought they were being broken up. And now all of a sudden, maybe there's a glimmer of hope that, oh, wait, maybe we're all going to be staying, but there is going to have to be a little give and take there because there's a lot more money on the table. There was for Rust, there will be for Gino, and there will be for Letang. It's just a matter of how much less they are willing to take to still let, to let the general manager field a viable roster because, as you just pointed to, if you devote half of the remaining cap space to those two guys, you still have um, four three or four forward positions that you have to fill. You have to revamp the blue line. And I hope that they find a way to open up more cap space. I anticipate Tim, some trades are going to happen with a defenseman or two because there's way too much money devoted to some guys that are playing below the money that they're earning. I mean, sadly, John Marino comes to mind. You're paying him 4.4 million all the way through the 26, 27 season and beyond. I think it's a year after that. Uh, No, he's a free agency after that season. Matheson yeah he did really a, a really good job but at 4.8 million if you keep Latang, he might be a little bit of a luxury uh, and Marcus Pedersen so it's probably Pedersen and Marino are the two that you're looking at moving out to open up cap space and then you find a cheaper option that can do maybe more things effectively on the defensive side of the puck than those guys so there are some moving parts here but there are ways to kind of make it work but you can't go too heavy with the contracts to those two big boys because then you're just a top heavy team again that's not going to be able to get out of the first round of the playoffs
2: playoffs last night Mets what'd you make of what you saw I can't get over the uh lack of fight from Florida in the postseason and uh I am heavily invested in the Blues at least making this a six game series I thought they had a good chance with the way the game started last night I'm not so sure anymore
0: yeah, it's starting to look a little rough for the Blues at this point. I was I was pretty heavy on them as well. But we mentioned Nazem Kadri a moment ago. He took Jordan Binnington out of the series, who suddenly was resurgent because Huso ended up being their goalie most of the end part of the season. Binnington lost his job, reclaimed it in the playoffs, and was looking really solid. Well, now he's knocked out. He's done for the series. Huso's looking a little bit more human against this. Uh, avalanche offense and, and to the point you just made I mean the abs look like they are hungry to get to that conference final I think there's a pretty good opportunity that they will get by the blues because they the blues now went from being a really solid good defensive hockey team that could score goals I mean Jordan Cairo seems like he scores every single game for them um it, it, it's just they focused a little bit too much on maybe the physical side and going after cadry and being upset with him you got the whole community there uh, launching salvos at him they're attacking him there were slurs and everything thrown and he's thumbing his nose at them now after he had such a huge game so i think the abs may make it a little shorter than you were hoping but to that point the blues if they could settle in and play some good hockey in front of huso are still a really good hockey team but even i don't know if you saw uh chief talking last night their coach i mean he he looked like a beaten man um i just yeah that, I didn't...
2: that's that uh three goal outburst you could see it on the bench like he <laughs> just, was took, just...
0: It took it out of him
2: it he... looked a lot like what the rangers did the penguins and their their pair of three goal outbursts and their comebacks yeah in that series um and plus i want to see the blues continue because i just can't wait to see what the reaction will be when david perron wins the con smite here in pittsburgh <laughs> Uh, We only got about a minute left here, Mets before we got to run. So uh, let me throw the other games at you uh, that are coming up here. And we'll start off with the Rangers and the hurricanes. Is this going to be under again? I can't believe the number is still at under five and a half. It's minus minus one thirty six to get there flames and Oilers. uh, It's pretty split the six and a half for the over under after such a gong show series to begin with. What do you make of those two games? And, um, do the Hurricanes stretch out their lead? Do the Oilers stretch out their lead?
0: I think that the Hurricanes will uh, find a way to stretch out their lead. And that, that'll probably still be a low-scoring series. There was a, There's talk that Freddie Anderson may be getting back into this at some point. I know he practiced the other day. Uh, he hasn't played a whole lot in, what, a couple months at least, if not more. So that's probably something they're not going to throw him right back in immediately. But I think it will end up being a lower-scoring type of game. But that said, I think Carolina looks like they may have what it takes to, to squeak by the, the Rangers. And on the other side of that, if the Flames can find a way to score a couple goals on Mike Smith, I think it goes over easily because you have the Edmonton Oilers very much capable of throwing up four goals in a period like they did the other night. And it was enough to win the game because Smith is playing like a much younger version of himself. I don't know where he's harnessed this from, but he seems like he has a chip on his shoulder. If they can break him at all, even in scoring two or three goals, you're probably looking at those game, that game probably going over. But I think Edmonton now looks like they may have what it takes to get by the flames team that had played very close to the vest, low scoring games in the first round, low scoring games for them anyway, in the second round, aside from game one, which exploded. So I think that their, their offense is in the same boat that St. Louis is having some issues and, One last comment, because I know you're just about out of time. The Panthers certainly went quietly into the night, more so than I ever would have dreamed, scoring all those goals in the regular season. And what were they outscored in this series? Something like 13-3. to That was just ugly for that highest-scoring team. But the President's Trophy curse strikes again.
2: Patrick Hornquist shut out in the series, just one goal and one assist in the playoffs. And uh, back to Edmonton, McDavid, he's must-see TV right now. Watching him skate is like, well, I'd say this to Mark Madden. Said it to him a couple times. I watch him skate, and it's like Barry Sanders on <laughs> turf. I don't know how you cut on skates I know. the way that he does. The way he edges,
0: he's so good. And you know what? I wish Seidel's ankle wasn't bothering him because he's looking like the wind now as well. Not quite to the level of Connor McDavid, but both of those players have taken over the series. Specifically, Connor. The only thing that's annoying me about Connor, and it's not him, it's the media. For some reason. We just have to compare his point total to no other Conn Smythe winner in the NHL history, but Sidney Crosby when he scored, won the Conn Smythe with 19 points. Sid had 19 points in 20-some games, and he got the Conn Smythe that year. Well, he also had to do something else that wasn't just put up the 19 points. He had to win the Stanley Cup. Edmonton has not yet done that, and Connor may go out before it's all said and done with a crap ton of points and the team sitting on the bench after it being knocked out of the Stanley cup playoffs, specifically if they run into a team like Colorado, who's playing per, playing pretty well. So I just keep kind of getting annoyed that even on the broadcast now, Oh, he has more points than Sid did when he won the con Smythe. Well, why are you looking at one particular year? They can't help themselves, but compare it to Sidney Crosby in some way.
2: Mets. Thanks. Enjoy the Memorial day weekend. We'll do it again. Uh, when we get to the conference finals. All right.
0: Sounds good, man. I can't believe we're starting to barrel towards that already, but this was the longest NHL season in ages, and it continues to be so, but we'll be here breaking it all down.
2: All right, so my thanks to Brian Metzer tomorrow in the afternoon after Steelers minicamp. Mike Pursuta from WDVE. He is our weekly guest here during football and hockey season on the Pittsburgh CityCast. He will join us before he heads out to the Bahamas. After uh, both Mike and I have cleared protocol, we are able to go out and about and do our own thing. We were both at practice today for the first OTA for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did I say minicamp before? I meant OTAs. Uh, Six of one, half dozen of the other, except in some situations they are mandatory, like the minicamp in June. In others, they are optional. The organized team activities used to be known as the optional team activities, Mike Tomlin stressing today that those who were not there should not be viewed as doing anything but taking the option. And um, what can we say here? How can I very delicately dance around this? Uh, One thing, uh, a good tweet from Chris Mack at 93.7 The Fan. Uh, He was also at practice, and he can confirm that he didn't see Deontay Johnson drop any balls today at practice. So glean what you will there. Now, Jim Wexel from 24-7 Sports, Steel City Insider, uh, he was on hand and afterwards spoke with Kevin Dotson, the left guard who confirmed that he is left guard number one. Cole, Mason Cole, was starting at center, and James Daniels was starting at right guard, whereas the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, was the number one quarterback right now. Now, we can't tell you what we see, but certainly the players can tell you what they know and what they see, and I guess that's who the number one guard was blocking for in practice in terms of who the quarterback was, the number one quarterback. So if it's Trubisky to start, and uh, you will see this in the Pittsburgh Tribune review tomorrow, I talked to Trubisky about whether or not that first set of games might behoove his chances being a veteran. And perhaps the Steelers not wanting to throw a rookie like Kenny Pickett into the fire when it comes to three games in 12 days. Uh, That might be a factor. Also, um, just kind of how he was received when he went to that kids marathon thing when he was the unofficial starter. You know, just a couple of weeks removed from being signed on board to replace Ben Roethlisberger and literally a couple of hours, like 48 hours removed from being the perceived starter only to be supplanted by the guy right next door, Pitt, who was drafted in the first round. That's the position that Trubisky was thrown into. So uh, he talks about balancing that out and life in the public eye as the Steelers' new perceived starting quarterback, short-lived as it may have been for the long term, but immediately, who knows, maybe he is the guy to start the season, at least according to one quote from Kevin Dotson. We'll talk about that with Mike. As well as OTA number two, we'll come to a close, and then we'll do the Pittsburgh CityCast tomorrow again. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today, or go to betrivers.com.